Each Democratic candidates are talking in their debates about climate change. Tom Steyer has made this one of the main impetuses, if that's the word, impetus, for moving forward with his campaign. What are the trends now, and what is it that we're seeing take place in the broader discussion on energy, not just political, but also practical? Joining us is Jan Vrins. He's a partner with Guidehouse, a consultant to the electric industry, and we're looking at some of those trends as we uh, uh, recently was in San Antonio covering a conference on the cities of the future, so we figured we can get some insight from Mr. Vrins. The Twitter handle is at Guidehouse. Jan Vrins, thank you for being on POTUS today. Good morning, Tim. Great to be on. Let us uh, first of all. Is this something that belongs in the in the um, in the uh, in the government, or is it something that the private sector needs to take the lead on? Well, I think I think it's a great question, uh, and, and we we talk a lot about that um, uh, in, in in our industry as well. And, and I'm actually today in San Antonio at uh, at this uh, City of the Future event uh, organized by the local utility of CPS Energy, together with uh, the City of San Antonio, uh, which is which is a great venue. But um, I, I think there's a big role for both um, uh, at, the, uh, at the level of uh, international, uh, uh, federal. Um, more and more we see states and cities really stepping up around uh, uh, addressing climate change and sustainability. But they have to work together with uh, uh, the, the, the private sector. They have to work together with the energy companies, with the uh, car manufacturers that are going into electrification of EVs. They have to work together with large corporations that also want to help reduce their carbon footprint uh, because their shareholders, to be honest, Tim, and also their clients are uh, are expecting it from them going forward more and more. I wonder, looking at some of the key recommendations and some of the findings, the trends like decarbonization, also the idea that next generation energy, generation mix, renewables, DER, distributed energy resources, building decarbonization has to be addressed. These are all parts of this. I wonder, at, at the heart of all of this, is the current model of provider and customer for energy, sustainable, power companies, utilities. Is this the future, or do you see, maybe this is really science fiction territory, the idea that individuals can almost have their own kind of uh, production for energy? Well, I think, I think this is not science fiction. I think that's the reality that we're in today already. Um, we have drastically changed the traditional model of um, central station power generation, transmission, distribution, providing electricity to your home, Tim, or to you know, hotels or office buildings, um, um, to a model which is a lot more uh, decentralized, where uh, consumers become producers of energy and become prosumers, and if they have uh, enough electricity that they're not using, selling it back to the grid. Um, so I think we're already in this energy cloud environment, uh, and that will continue to grow. Uh, which then also means that you know uh, our policies and, 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 and reg regulations have to change, and the relationship between you know the traditional energy providers and their customers is is, is changing drastically as well. So that's that's really what the energy transition is all about, which drives you know obviously you know challenges around uh, changing organizations and people, and and again as I said, policies and regulation as well. But it's an exciting time, and I think technology enables a lot of um, uh, uh, that um, and, and I think it will be good for the environment. Um, it can lead to uh, overall reducing our cost to, to provide energy to uh, uh, the people and the businesses um, and uh, it's the right thing to do going forward. I, I think some people would look at and say, okay, Jan Brintz is a partner with Guidehouse, he's a consultant to the electric industry. That means he's trying to figure out how they can keep making money even though they're going to act like they're trying to do something good for the environment. How would you respond to that? Sure. Um, 
I, I will respond that I have a team of 700 people that are really passionate about, you know, this energy transition. We're passionate about, you know, contributing to, um, you know, uh, changing the way we use and produce energy, um, um, make it cleaner, uh, make it more sustainable going forward. And uh, at this moment, I think we're providing solutions that actually are good for our customers, they're good for their shareholders, they're good for their, for their clients, and they're good for the environment. Uh, who, who, who doesn't want to buy into that? Um, there, there are viable solutions right now that will actually bring costs down and make it greener and, and more sustainable uh, as, we, uh, as we transition this, uh, this industry, which is really exciting. Jan, it seems one of the challenges has been not just about energy, because energy, you know, something small, you can run a light bulb on energy, but power, and that is enough energy to actually make it possible to move locomotives, to move steamships, to move automobiles, to move some of the larger parts of what has traditionally been a part of our our base, if you will, manufacturing, etc. How does this figure into the conversation? In other words, how do you make sure that what you've got is taking the place of coal? Yeah, I think I think that's a great question. There, there's definitely areas uh, in our economy that are, you know, heavily reliant on, on 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 carbon fuels and are really hard to decarbonize. But we've made a lot of progress. Um, we see, besides, you know, wind and solar and storage coming out through the system, we actually see um, uh, the hydrogen economy coming back. And and you will say, well, Jan, the hydrogen is not new. We've known it for decades, which is true. But our ability now to produce hydrogen, which is a clean fuel that you can use actually for for ships and for, for heavy industry as well, that, that uh, even for, for public transportation in, in, in our cities is perfect for that. Hydrogen now can be produced at a much lower cost than uh, five years ago uh, or even two years ago by, by using renewable electricity at zero marginal cost, because otherwise it would go to waste, because we, we produce more electricity during a day with all the solar and wind than we, than we actually use. We produce hydrogen from it at a very low cost, and that can then be used to decarbonize heavy industries and some of the transportation. There's still pockets like, you know, uh, 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 the, the whole uh, airline industry, which is which is definitely harder. But but uh, we can get a long way if we get a, a, a clean fuel like hydrogen into into our energy systems. And we had a conversation earlier today with uh, Addison Stark, who's with the Bipartisan Policy Center. They have a new study out on energy innovation, supporting the full innovation life cycle. And I asked him the question, I'd like to hear from you also about the challenges that are presented by these new technologies. For example, decommissioning of, of wind turbines that has to happen eventually. And what do you do about environmental concerns, even if it's in the pursuit of decarbonization, for example, in the case of nuclear energy and in the case of fracking, which provides more methane, or more natural gas, which is obviously less of a carbon producer than coal. And how do you fit? How do those figure into the conversation? Yeah, I, I think those are all issues that, that we work uh, uh, with on, uh, you know, with, with our clients on. Uh, no easy issues. Uh, what I what I what I can say, as long as we're making progress, um, uh, for example, uh, hydrogen can actually right now be injected uh, into uh, your gas supply. Uh, up to 20% without making any changes to the to the gas distribution network or the appliances that use it, that would decarbonize our gas supply by 20%. That would be a major step forward in terms of reducing, reducing carbon fuels. This will be a long transition. This is not an overnight change, and, and technology will continue to evolve. Um, and I think uh, as long as we make progress, um, I think you know uh, that this will really contribute to, to, to decarbonizing not only the energy industry but also the other industries. I think there's more and more um, uh, technologies that will, will come available to 
to get near zero. Um, um, but there, these, these challenges will will continue to to play out over the next you know decade or or, or two for sure um, um, as we transition uh, to. And we will continue to follow those. John Vrince, thank you for joining us on POTUS this morning. Thank you very much, sir.